been a while, but the 719 Coaches Show is back and we are talking playoffs. The Colorado High School football playoffs begin this week and I took a trip down to Fountain Fort Carson to chat with Trojans head coach Jake Novotny. The Trojans are the number eight seed in the 4A state tournament and they have a bye this week before they see the winner of Golden and Cheyenne Mountain. Jake and I chatted about uh, how the Trojans are going to deal with the bye week, what their practice plan looks like, Uh, what the dynamic of the team is going to be heading into next week when they know it could be their final week of play. We got into a little bit of his coaching background and how he went from a potential candidate for a Denver police officer position to the head coach of the Trojans. Uh, That and much more, so let's just jump right into my interview with Fountain Fort Carson head coach Jake Novotny. How are things in Trojan land? uh, You've got to be happy with a top eight seed. I'm very happy with I'm, – I'm proud of this group of kids, man. I think uh, at the start of the year, if if you would have said this is where we'd be, I don't I don't know if I had felt that at the start of the year, but they've come together and done a nice job and really proud of our seniors. How have they surprised you? What have you seen this year from this group that's really surprised you as a head coach? I think what has surprised me the most, really, in all honesty, is, is uh, who has stepped up to be leaders. I, I think at the start of the year, I didn't know if the particular kids that I expected to be leaders um, – we're going to do that and some of the kids that were kind of you know you always are surprised as a head coach who really kind of takes that role and so there's been a few kids I think recently that at the start of the year I don't know if they had that in them and I think with uh the way the season's gone on and some of the confidence that they've built individually and and, and then collectively in their units um I'm, I'm really surprised by who who that is but also pleased at the same time I want to dive into the 4A bracket here in a minute, but first things first, uh, I want to get into your background a little bit. You're a Denver guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that about you. I know you were on John Riston's staff down at CSU Pueblo when you guys won a national title, right. and then you eventually made your way up here when this opening uh, popped up. So how did you get from from point A to, I guess, <laughs> point B, if we want to call it that, or C or D, whatever it is in your coaching career? Yeah, you know, it's everybody's got a different background on how they get into this profession, I think, uh, and I think, you know, there's so many guys that do it the traditional way. They start off, you know, whether they're going to be a college coach or not, and they GA or they play or coach for who they played for, and then they work themselves up as as an assistant and, and, and kind of that way. And then there's so many guys, too, that have different backgrounds and how they got in this. And so, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I always loved coaching but didn't know that it was going to be a career. Um, I, as you said, I'm a Denver guy, and I grew up. Dad, my dad's a, retired in September, 36 years Denver police officer, and I thought that's the route I was going to go. Worked in law enforcement as a, a Denver public safety cadet for, for five years while I was in college, and um, it was at a time frame economically where things were a little bit unstable, and so uh, Denver public um, safety department was on a hiring freeze for Denver police officers, and so kind of a, a background on the Denver public safety cadet program is after you served four or five years in that, you had hiring preference. Um, to uh, be hired into one of the academies, police, fire, sheriff, and uh, Denver Police is on a five-year hiring freeze. And so um, I was coaching at the time. I had done some youth coaching, but at the time that I was in the public safety cadet program, I volunteered on my Greibel staff at Heritage, and that was uh, 2009 is when I started, and, and that's when his son Mitch played there. And uh, we were really good, good team at that time, and. Got lucky enough to be a part. I was a freshman coach, but got to be a part of a staff that uh, won state championship at the 4A level here in Colorado. And so, being a part of that, and I stayed stayed on for another two or three more years, and kind of really started to enjoy the coaching piece more than just something to do on the side. 
And as, so ended up uh, going to clinics, spending my own money to go to uh, work camps in the summer at CU and CSU and at CSU Pueblo. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to kind of build a relationship with uh, Steve Sewell, who was a running back coach at the time at CSU Pueblo, who, uh, former Denver Bronco and probably one of the nicest men you'll ever meet just in terms of kindness and caring about people. Um, and then also he introduced me into Hunter Hughes, who was a defensive coordinator at the time. And, um, you know, I kind of picked specifically Coach Hughes's brain on how to break into college coaching because he was a guy like me that didn't play at the college level. And, you know, I coached at places like Tennessee and CU and then was a defensive coordinator at CSU Pueblo at the time. And he gave me the, uh, you know, advice to continue work camps and, you know, come down and get to know people. And so I think I worked at CSU Pueblo camp. I mean, they had four or five camps there around the summer. I worked every single one of them for two or three years in a row and was just a just a fly on the wall and almost maybe probably an annoyance to those guys down there because I was just always around. And then, uh, you know, there was a job at uh, Augustana College, which is a Division three school in uh, the Quad City area in Illinois. And uh, through a mutual friend, got the opportunity to go out there for spring practice. Um, and coach was on their staff. And I was going to go out there for the fall time. And so I was out there for the spring practice, moved back uh, to Colorado f- to collect my things for the month of July and was going to start heading out there in August. And just so happened that CSU Pueblo needed a defensive graduate assistant. And Coach Hughes called me and said, hey, we know you just took that Augustana deal, but, you know, <laughs> he goes, we couldn't think of anybody else who would want this gig. And so uh, I don't know if it was that it was the last choice, but heck, I was the choice to come down and I... Um, it was a hard conversation with the coach at Augustana, but he understood it, you know, being close to home and having my parents support me. I'm in my early 20s at the time, so, you know, not making a lot of money and needed help at times. So mom and dad are right up the road. And at any rate, uh, probably best decision in my life because it led to me getting the job here at Fountain Fort Carson, meeting my wife and, uh, you know, establishing the life I have now. And so, uh, like you said, you know, spent, spent uh, five, five and a half years in the coaching staff down there was part of the national championship team. And again, I, I was just a cog in, in the spokes there, you know, just really soaking up as much as I could at the time. And um, and then when the job here at Fountain Fort Carson opened, I was at a crossroads in my coaching career. Did I want to continue down the college path or did I want to, um, you know, maybe make a different route, make, make a different change? And so, uh, you know, at the time, my wife and I, uh, she was not my even my fiance yet, but I knew she was special and I wanted to make sure that I had a... Uh, a life with her and um you know the college coaching game man you got to be willing to move around every one or two years you got to almost be a vagabond and i didn't know if that's what i wanted anymore to be honest with you i wanted to have stability and wanted to have build a family and still coach and uh so made that transition when the job at found carson opened and knew uh, the tradition of the program and recruited you know type of athletes that were here from recruiting and uh you know it was it was an easy choice and um, was lucky enough to get an interview and lucky enough to, to get the job here and been here ever since. This is probably one of those jobs that's more rare today where you had a guy that was here so sure. long in Mitch Johnson that anyone who comes in and takes over is, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the first however many years, and I give you grief about it forever, but right. you're not Mitch Johnson. Sure. At, at what point did this finally feel like it was your football program? Well, you know, I think the first thing that I'll say, and I, I've said this since I've taken the job here, I've known Mitch prior to me taking the job, and I think that Mitch was a big reason why I did take the job. I think he did such a good job from, for a long time, and getting to know him through recruiting when I was at CSU Pueblo and 
um, playing against him, uh, our teams when I, we were at Heritage. Uh, you know, just a ton of respect for how he did it and how he did it so long in a place that has a lot of unique challenges compared to other traditional high schools, in all honesty. Um, and you're right, he'd been here a long time and had a lot of success. I mean, this is 70th year of, of football here, and he was here for 30 of them, right? <laughs> and when you look at that, I mean, just for that stability, I think is a big piece. But, you know, to answer your question directly, I think, you know, um, I think as soon as you take the job, it feels like your program. But I know what you're asking. I think, you know, when, when do you feel like it's your culture and it's your expectations and your standards? And, you know, I think the first two years were, were, were um, a big transition for a lot of people, not just myself, not just the kids. But I think the school and, and, the, and the campus, in all honesty, um, because we were going through a lot of transitions with teaching expect, or teacher expectations and uh, teacher hires and, and transitions. And so, um, and really just a different direction with, with what we expected from a, from a standpoint on that. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, probably my, my third year is when we started feeling, you know, that, that maybe this was ours. But I think really, in all honesty, where you really turn around and go, hey, we've established ourselves here. Honestly, I think it was 2020 when we were able to do the things that, that we did in 2020 um, with that senior class. That, that senior class that graduated in 2020 was kind of our first um, real freshman class with, you know, we, in all honesty, my, my first year with my first freshman was really difficult. They barely didn't have a freshman coach. There was only 12 guys that remained on that, which was the 2019 year. Uh, the 2020 class really was the first one with – an established strength program, an established uh, coaching staff. I mean, I only had six coaches my first year here, and we coached all three levels. And thank God I wasn't married at that time because I don't know if I'd be married now, you know, because we just continually were here and, uh, you know, trying to find a way to win more games than, than we had at the time. And so, um, you know, really, I think last year is when you really can step back and look and go, hey, I think I think we've built something that's that's ours now, you know, and that's, that's uh, not – saying anything about the past or previous coaching staffs. I think they did a phenomenal job here, but I think, you know, you always put your little kind of spin on it as a head coach. And I think, uh, I think last year was really the first time we kind of maybe saw that. And the build up to that was kind of funny. I mean, you go back a few years ago, your, your last couple of years as a five, a program sure. before dropping down to four, a, uh, I think you were, um, two and eight, maybe that first year, three and seven, three and seven, three and eight. If you count the playoff game, right before, before playoffs, you're three and eight right. and you make the playoffs right. where right up the road, you had a program in Doherty that had gone six and four and missed <laughs> out. And this was, you know, RPI being introduced and sure. there, there was a lot of hoopla about it, but, um, with with the struggles that kind of came about, sure. how beneficial can it be for a program? And not that you guys did anything nefarious. You just you dropped down to four A based yeah. on the the enrollment numbers you had. Sure. How much of a rebound, you know, is that as you prepare to go back up to five A sure. sure. next year? So first of all, I mean, I should be writing coaching books because I think I got to be one of the first coaches to figure out how to go three and seven and make the playoffs. <laughs> but I'll never, I'll never forget the funny story about this. Dan is um, Jeff Crumloff, who's a mutual friend of both of ours and who's the head coach at Doherty at the time. You know, they're eight and two. I think that first year were three and seven. They beat us. Uh, really, it was a close game. And then fourth quarter, they just kind of exploded and, and, and beat us pretty good there. And so he calls me. And I didn't know Jeff very well at the time, and, and he calls me, and, he, and we know how he talks, and I'm not going to, you know, get into too much of that hyperbole on here, but he gets he gets on the phone, and so, hey, uh, Coach, would, would you uh, 
consider relinquishing that that spot so that we can have it. I mean, what the heck? And he was halfway joking, but you know, at the time I didn't know. And long, to make a funny long story short, you know, uh, I kind of told him about the struggles and stuff of that first year and, and coming in. And he was like, eh, "You know what? You're right. You you guys need that." You know, and uh, and so it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was weird, man. And I think really. But for Fort Carson in 2016, I don't know if RPI is as consistent as it is now. You know, and I think that's something that 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 you look at that and that caused a lot of waves. You know, but I will tell you this too. You know, those first couple years in 5A, we played. If we weren't number one, we were two or three in toughest schedules. You know, and and I think the the first two years that was something that Mitch had set up, uh, Coach Johnson had set up with the previous uh, athletic director, which kind of. Tells you a little bit about Coach Johnson. He wasn't going to back down from anybody, and I, you know, it's kind of the, the hopefully the mentality that we take on here as we continue to to move forward and, and move back up to five A. And um, you know, then the second year we we scheduled Eagle Crest, Columbine, Grandview back to back to back, and then go and play in a conference with an uprising legend and a Regis and and uh, you know um, a Chaparral who's always tough, and and so. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we had our fair share of playing some some of the juggernauts in the state, and so, you know, I think moving down to 4A, you know, and, and that was kind of an odd thing. It was, we took a chance on it, and you know, we didn't really expect thing to happen, and, and and our numbers were a little bit down because of uh, really, you know, our our school enrollment is so tied to the military base at the Fort Carson here, and it's you know based on um, deployments and where they're sending people and. and and so on and so forth. And so we were just in a, in a cycle where there was not a lot of a lot of kids here and our numbers were down. We said, hey, let's take a chance and see what happens. And, um, yes, yeah, so we were able to come down. And I think, you know, it was really good in building confidence in our program, able to establish some standards and, um, you know, gave gave our kids an opportunity to, to play um, on the top half of the classification as opposed to the bottom half of the classification. And really more than anything, I think, it gives you a chance to learn how to be a winner. And that's really what it comes down to is learn how to win. Do you think next year's 5A Trojans look vastly different than the 5A Trojans of three, four years ago? 100%. And me and Coach Mercer have talked a lot about this. Um, we are more equipped now as a staff, as a program, as a strength program um, to handle that. And, um, I mean, we know it's going to be a tough road. There's 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 really good teams and good coaches at the 5A level. There's really good teams and really good coaches at the 4A level. I don't care – who you are, winning's t- tough. You know, um, you can drop the four A as a, and you can play five A or you can play six A. Whatever the heck they talk about, winning's difficult. And um, you know, I but I think from the standpoint of, of spending two years of of understanding what that looks like, um, and I think from the standpoint of of where we're at physically and where we're at numbers wise as a program, I think we're more equipped to handle that now. And and I think. Uh, you know, we got a really good uh, junior class that I think is going to be great in leading us back into that transition. So you, there's a potential matchup for you in the. I'm just going to call it the second round. I think some people call it preliminary or right. yeah. Um, in the second round of the playoffs with a team like Cheyenne Mountain, who mm-hmm. has not had a lot of football success. Right. So when you see <laughs> things like these I-25 leagues crafted to help programs kind of rebuild, regain interest. And you look at what Cheyenne Mountain has done. They went from how many years of maybe one or no law or no wins. I think they had a year where they didn't even have a program, right? Uh, there was a year where they ended up having to shut down. I know there was a forfeit to Pine Creek, right. really for the safety of the players. And now this is a playoff team and their numbers have trended up. How vital has that idea become 
You know, there, there are a lot of ways to help resurrect a program. Yeah. Doing what you guys have done sure. has been one of those ways. But you think these leagues are, are beneficial for teams who um, need to need that fire to be reignited? Yeah, you know, when you put it like that, I think I think you know there's a lot of idea uh, and merit to to that. Um, gosh, there's also a lot of things that surround it too that 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 um, can be controversial or or you know the other side doesn't see it. But from the simple standpoint of what you asked, like I think 100%. Like I mean, a Cheyenne Mountain maybe doesn't get a chance to drop down and play three based on their school numbers, right? Not everybody gets that opportunity. And and again, like you said, that's not why we did it. But at the end of the day, like. That has happened where some people have done that and, and built their program back up. And so, yeah, I think, you know, um, yeah, I think simply, yeah, it probably does help that. I mean, it helps give those kids confidence, helps them be winners. You know, it helps them to learn what that culture feels like and what that what what that experience, what that postseason is like, you know. On the flip side, it also, you know, changes the way the makeup of the leagues are for everybody else. And, you know, and that's another thing that often gets overlooked is, is – you know, um, leagues used to be bigger. You didn't have to worry about so many out-of-conference games. Um, leagues weren't as as week-to-week, uh, you know, tough and to, to get through. And, and they should be tough. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But, um, you know, that's that's also changed the flip side of everything too, you know. And then the other part too is, is when you play in a league like that, is there – you know, is there merit for a team to be in the playoffs over a team who didn't play in a league like that who maybe has a similar record and is on the cusp as well, right? And so, you know, there's I think there's a lot of arguments on both sides, but simply I do think from the standpoint of giving kids an opportunity to feel what success is like, I think they've been beneficial. Uh, let's Since we brought up Cheyenne Mountain, we might as well dive into the makeup of the 4A bracket, sure. which is kind of was, was supposed to be the whole point of this. Sure. Uh, I always like diving off into these conversations and stories, but uh, you guys going to go check out Golden and Cheyenne Mountain tomorrow? We will be uh, we will be leaving tomorrow to head up to, to Colorado School of Mines, and that, that should be a really good game. I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what both teams do after having a chance to kind of learn about them this week. Um, how much does the bye week – truly benefit you if you feel like you're playing well does it kind of halt that momentum what (laughs) is it you know do we need this week to get healthy and maybe just focus on some of the things that we need to do well within our own program before we uh scout and install everything for our opponent next week gosh that's the age-old question man that my 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 dad of all people he follows us pretty close asked me hey do you want to do you really want to buy week and yeah you know i want to be one of the top eight and but then you start thinking about what you just said, you know, do you want to stay in rhythm, stay in routine? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a, a bye week is, is, first of all, something that we haven't had the opportunity to experience here since, I think, 2012 was the last time Found for Carson won a top eight seed to be in, in, in a bye. And what my running backs coach, Anthony Davis, was on the team during that time. And um, so every year that I've been here that we've made the playoffs, we've played the first week. So that's been a, an adjustment for, for our staff. I was lucky enough to kind of go through that at CSU Pueblo. We, we always were a bye the first round. So, you know, it, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cap, but what we ended up doing this week is we focused on us. And that's really been the message with my, my team and our players and our coaches this whole year is focus on us, you know, making each other better, making sure that we do our job. Because it shouldn't matter. If we talk about having a faceless opponent. It shouldn't matter who we play. If we do our job and execute at a high level, um, then it'll take care of itself. I mean, obviously you want to make sure that you're in sound calls and those types of things, but at the end of the day, it boils down to, to you doing your job. And so 
Um, it's beneficial. You know, we had a couple bumps and bruises to get guys healthy. Um, but more importantly, I think we were able to take this week and really focus on some fundamental things and focus on some situational football that we haven't had a chance to focus on for a couple weeks because we've been preparing for p- opponents and what, what uh, they do and the things that we need to do to, to uh, you know, defend that or to, to put a, uh, an offensive uh, package together. And so that's been fun. And, and honestly, we've found some ways to keep it competitive. Like we're doing some things that we don't get an opportunity to do during the, during the regular season, and our kids are like really enjoying it. And it's changed up practice and it's kept them engaged. Among the eight teams with the bye in the mm-hmm. 4A bracket, who intrigues you the most when you look at a team and you just think that's that would be a fun game to play in and a fun team to compete against? Well, I think if you're a top eight, everybody is. But I'll tell you one that always kind of catches my my eye and I'm interested to see what they do is, is Pine Creek. I really do. I think Pine Creek is, is an interesting team playing 5A this year and, and then coming down to, to uh, be in, you know, in the 4A playoffs. Um, I think they're going to be pretty battle-tested. Um, you know, offensively, I think they're doing some different things with Rod Baker over there. I don't know a whole lot about them. It's been a couple of years since we've played them, and I'd be curious to see kind of what, what they look like. You know, I, I think, um, you know, Coach Miller does a good job there. They're always prepared, and I think that, you know, last year with the COVID season was kind of a fluke with those guys. You know, I think, I think um, they were quarantined. They had some different things that affect them, they're still a really good football team. People don't, 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 don't see that, but I, I, th- I think they were a really good football team, and I think they're primed to make, go on a run. I really do. That's a team that I was going to ask you about just because of the way that last year went, and you use the word fluke. And it's tough to say because um, I, I've heard that word thrown around a lot with sure. everything that was related to the, the COVID football season last year, but you can't say that you guys were a fluke. You were a legitimate top-four team in that class. So... Um, you know, how much of what happened to Pine Creek really was not having Todd available for the few games that he couldn't be there and maybe just being outside of their norm? I think everybody was outside of their norm last year, man. I mean, I'll tell you this. We were extremely lucky here at Fount Fort Carson at School District 8 to have the type of leadership in our superintendents and our building leadership that really, in all honesty, went to bat for us. And, and we had a pretty normal summer last year in 2020, considering the expectations we had to do with COVID. Now, we had to do a lot of hand washing. We had to do a lot of uh, more small group work, you know. But I know there was teams that were had to bring their guys in in sets of five. And based on our school district and how they did it, we were able to have bigger groups. We were able to do some different things. And I think that was the biggest thing from last year is every school district – in every county was different. So everybody was on a different playing field last year. And I don't know what Pine Creek's expectations were, but I, I think we entered last year very prepared because we had as close to a normal summer as, as anybody in the state. I mean, we had a we had a 10-day camp, which we were one of the only schools to have a 10-day camp because our school district allowed it. Now we had to take precautions. And it was a cha- that was a challenge. We had, you know, but at the end of the day, we still got to have the kids out for 10 days. And we had 10 days of football before anybody else even was, you know, school year started, really, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, fluke or whatnot, I'll just tell you that I, I, I think that, you know, and, and any, uh, first of all, any of those top eight teams are, are, are well coached, but, you know, specifically because you, they're, you know, right up the road from us, you pay attention. And I have a ton of respect for Todd and how he's done stuff you know, um, and, and built that program. And so, 
you know, I think I think last year, I mean, it's just yeah, like you said, out of their norm maybe or or whatnot. But they're they're well coached. They got a culture of winning there, and I just think that um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs this year. Uh, another team that's right up the road is Mesa Ridge. Mm-hmm. They have a showdown with Denver South yep. uh, tomorrow night. A rematch. Rematch. Yeah. And that's that's the game that I'll be at. Um, when you when you look at that matchup, do you think to yourself, and I know that your task is always just to focus on the team in front of you. Yeah. Does it help you if a team like Mesa Ridge wins, a team that you played, so that you can evaluate a film next week with them in Montrose and see – how Montrose plays that team compared to what you were able to do? Yeah, so first of all, I think, I think you know, uh, Mesa Ridge is much improved. Coach Callop's done a nice job there. And, you know, I don't know if, if, it, uh, if it gives you an advantage to evaluate somebody off of a team that, that you've played against. I think what it does more than anything is it allows you to compare in terms of, um, you know, personnel and, 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 and the physical nature of it. Um, you know, a team like Montrose is so different than than uh, like a Mesa Ridge or even a Denver South for that matter. Um, you know, so really the contrasting styles, I don't know how much you're going to get out of that. But I think you can evaluate personnel and I think you can, you know, evaluate uh, some of those things. But, you know, I, I, that, it, that is an interesting – the potential second-round matchups are, are, are pretty interesting, I think, as well with, with, uh, with those teams and um, some of the speed and, and some of the coaches that are involved in that. Uh, Montrose was always going to be a team that you were paying attention to. How much did it get your attention when they beat Palmer Ridge? Yeah, I think that got everybody's attention because I think Palmer Ridge is a really good team, and they got a lot of talent and they're really coached well. And but you know, I'll tell you what, Montrose, you know, and I, you know, the first time I've really had to pay attention to them is now that they're in our bracket and, and they're, you know. Um, one one game away for us, you know, um, and I think the biggest thing is is uh, they're really well coached and they're hard nosed kids. They're just very similar to the fruited kids we played in our own league, where they're tough. They don't back down from anybody, uh, and, and athletically they they might not be the have the most athletes on the field, but they got the toughest dudes on the field. And I think you go back and look, Montrose last year had Palmer Ridge. Uh, very close game, and, and Palmer Ridge was able to squeak out a win, and um, that's probably a testament to a lot of those seniors that graduated from Palmer Ridge last year. I think Montrose was hungry, and I think that they knew they were close last year, and they had an opportunity to go and, and, and do that this year, and I think uh, I think that's a big testament to how their staff prepared for them and how their kids played. Do you almost feel like a, a blueprint has been established for Palmer Ridge? You look back at the, the 4A <laughs> title game last fall, yeah. Loveland just – I don't think they threw a, they threw a single pass, and Montrose came in intent on just running the ball and pounding away. Do you think that you know is is it too soon or is it too easy to think that there's a blueprint in how to beat a team like Palmer Ridge with that kind of style? You know, in high school football, I don't know if there's ever a blueprint because things change so much <clears throat> from a year to year basis and from a from a week to week basis. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, blueprint or not, I, I think uh, I think what it comes down to is, is is execution, and I think the teams that execute more consistently in the game are going to be the ones that win. And I think if you, and I haven't seen the Palmer Ridge Montrose game, but I, I think if you went back and looked at it, I think that those that would be the case is that Montrose executed at a high level, and Palmer Ridge probably had some mistakes that cost them. And uh, you know, I, like I said, I don't I don't want to sit there and say there's a blueprint because I think, uh, like I said, I think that can change week to week.
Who among the teams that are playing this week that don't have a bye? Who jumps out at you among those teams as, as someone that if they catch fire can be really, really dangerous? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the two teams that, that we potentially could play, um, I, I think uh, I think Golden High School's really coached well. And I think that they um, uh, have a really good quarterback. And I think that they have some guys on their staff, Jay Madden in particular, who's working with with Coach Yanisito, who was a player for Coach Madden. And I think that they have the winning formula because they did at Pomona when, when uh, Yanisito was with, with, with Jay. And I think that they, um, they're they a team that if they catch fire, I think it can do some really, really good things. And, um, you know, they're one. And then, uh, you know, always Broomfield. I think uh, they always are a team that, that has got – that's battle-tested in the – in the uh, playoffs, and, and you know they might be a lower seed right now, but they have kids that have been there, and they got a coach who knows how to get it done. And um, you know, I think uh, one other team too, because we played against them. I think Fruit of Monument is a team that again is very, very well coached. They're tough. Their hard nose are built on running the ball and playing and being physical. And, and when you play games late in November, those are the things that you got to do. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to maybe some teams that you don't have to worry about. You're going, up, you're going back up to the 5A ranks next year. So um, let's have some fun. And I want to pick your brain on some of these 5A teams. You've got your typical powerhouses, your sure. Valor Christians, your Cherry Creeks. Uh, what do you know of a team like Legend? Monty Thalen has been <laughs> coaching for a long time. He's got a standout kid in uh, Bryce Vaz. Does a team like that have a chance to pull off an upset? Because with the way that 5A landscape has looked for the last you know, decade, it's either been Creek, Valor, or and a, maybe a dash of Pomona. Yeah. That, you know, so, to, you know, Legend, first of all, we played them when we were in the conference with them before we, we went back or we dropped to 4A. Uh, ton of respect for Coach Thielen. Uh, love the guy. He's... He uh, he's he's a he's a really good guy to, to to pick the brain of and and been doing it for a long time as you said. I've seen his linemen firsthand at the Columbine Hog Olympics and they got a shot because I think at the five A level, I mean really any level of football, but at the five A level, it's so dominant by the top teams as you said. But those top teams where they're built and where we have always struggled as our program and any program that's in the enrollment cap that we are is having those type of guys. We may have one or two. They have 10 or 12 or 15. Their whole program is built around that. You know, and then, you know, even those elite programs, then they have the speed and skill that we hopefully, that we believe we have here at Fountain Fort Carson. And so <clears throat> I think Legend is a team that has the type of linemen to have a successful run. Um, and again, well coach. I mean, J.D. Brookhart's their offense coordinator. He was a longtime college coach. He does a good job there. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Grandview's really doing some things well this year. I think, you know, they got a guy who was at Cherry Creek for many, many years, worked with Dave Logan for many, many years, and, um, you know, has really kind of got that program. In a, and not that they weren't before. I mean, we played Grandview multiple times and was very well coached and did a lot of things uh, well and always had deep late runs in the playoffs. But, you know, I think they're kind of playing a different style of football right now. And I think that that kind of shows in, in the way they've played. And, one team you can never count out is Columbine. And I think Andy Lowry does a great job. And as long as Andy Lowry's at Columbine, they're always going to be one of the top in contention every year. 
And I, I first got to know Andy actually coming down here to work a couple of Columbine Fountain Fort sure. Carson games when Mitch Johnson was the head coach. That's that's when I like to make my appearances here. Yeah, um, this is like your third time at Exit One Twenty Eight since I've been here, so we're we're getting close. Hey, you know what? And and you never know that number might only trend up over the <laughs> over the coming years. So uh, I, I I can't really ask you who you would take to win the four A state title because sure. your answer is probably going to be Fountain Fort Carson. <laughs> it should be. It should right? be. <laughs> so we won't save you any embarrassment if you. But if you had to pick a team on that bracket for this year to win the five A state championship. Mm. Knowing what you know, who who do you pick? I think Valor Christian is going to win it this year. I think they're they're Gavin Sawchuk's so good. Yeah, he? he's such a ball player, and I think that they, um, you know, they're really firing on all cylinders right now. And again, I haven't paid a, a lot of attention to it, but they just seem to be, you know, they just seem to be a little bit different than they were last year in terms of of uh, you know. I think that's that that coach's second year, right? And so I think things are established for him and. Um, you know, yeah, Valor's a football factory. I get that, but you still got to establish culture and standards and how you want to do things. And so I think uh, I really do. I think Valor's kind of the team to beat. But I will tell you, if Cherry Creek or Columbine or have anything to say about it, they'll they'll be tough teams as well. All right, let's get into. Uh, we'll wrap up with some fun stuff here. Uh, should you make it to the state championship game, you get to go to uh, Empower Field at Mile High, whatever it's named this week. <laughs> Uh, last year, every single game was down at your old stomping grounds yeah. at CSU Pueblo. We didn't really get the fan atmosphere until right. the season C playoffs because of COVID. But uh, overall, what are your thoughts on every championship game being centered in the same location and making it a weekend festival? I, I loved it. I think that was awesome. I, you know, I, so I'll tell you, there's something special about playing at Mile High Stadium. I, when we were at Heritage and we did that, that that was special. That was cool for those kids. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like that wasn't. I think that's really cool. But there's something to be said when you talk about uh, us as a state and, you know, and, and you look at Chassa and, and what their mission and goal is for our state athletically. Um, and, and you just talk about building kind of some camaraderie across the state and some community across the state. Um, I think that's a really cool thing. I, I, I hope they revisit that down the road because I think it was enjoyable. I think there was an opportunity for parents and students and teachers and even players to feel connected. Like, hey, we're all kind of part of the state championship weekend. I think teams stuck around and, and watched as much as they could with the COVID season last year. Um, and so I, I think that I think it's a cool thing, man. I think it's a really good deal, and I think it, it builds some some unity across the state, and it makes it it makes it kind of special for the 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 smaller classifications who don't get to play at Mile High Stadium. I think it's hey, we're playing on the same stage as, as the big dogs. And uh, Tom Lawrence and the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame, they do a fantastic job with the four A and five A sure. games. So I, I definitely don't want to. Um, make it sound like we want to take anything away from them but if you had to choose a venue you know if you had to choose one venue or what would your perfect solution be i've heard you know rotate it between the college campuses or keep it centralized in denver state capital it's where the games belong what what would be your perfect scenario (laughs) i think the perfect scenario is mile high lets them all play honestly because i think that's a special thing but you know, I know there's some rules around that, um, and I know that 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 can be difficult. And I think that uh, you know, 
I do think there's something special to that because the only people that play on that field are the Denver Broncos. And I think the only other people that get to play on that field is the 4A and 5A teams that make it to the championship. And I think that's kind of special. And I think that's a cool thing. And you look at a lot of the, the states, that's kind of where they host it, there or the big college of that area. So, you know, I, I think that solves all the problems. It's centralized. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's in a special location. The only problem being is that that it's not, uh, on, you know, not every classification gets to play there. And I think that's really the hiccup on all of it. Um, I, you know, but I, I tell you what, the CSU Pueblo did a great job. I think that's a great place. There's a stigma about Pueblo, the city, that I think is wrong. I mean, living there five, six years, um, it's a big sports town. They care about that stuff, man. It was a big deal for them to host that down there. And I know they would have liked it to be bigger, but, but for the COVID, you know, policies that were in place. And so... You know, there's not a better, to me, there's not a better true sports town that cares about high school sports than Pueblo in this, in this state, really. I mean, think about it. The, the the rivalry games and the type of things that happen down there, you name me a, a better town, better city that cares about high school sports. I mean, people turn out to watch everything down there. And so... The only argument that I've heard people make is Grand Junction. And my only... Um like, I, I can't disagree with it simply yeah. because we're so far removed from it. Yeah. But that's one that people always will, will counter with. And I can yeah. see it because yeah. I know those rivalries between Central and Grand Junction sure. and Fruit sure. are... They're deep. They're deep. Yeah. You know, I'm with you on that. I, You know, but I think, like I said, I mean, ideally, ideally one of those, you know, ideally we could find a way to have it a mile. I don't know if that will ever happen. I mean, I think that would be the ideal. I think that's what, you know, Adam and Rhonda and all them try to do at, at Chasses, try to, to, to keep it in... And, and make it f- special as they can for everybody. I think if they had their choice, it would be something like that as well. You know, I've thought a great venue. I just don't know if it'll ever happen. I think the Air Force Academy is a great venue too. And I know there's been some things around that. I think CSU's new stadium would be great, you know, and, um, you know, obviously uh, CU would be awesome as well. But, you know, I think if you're really just talking about what what's best for the state and, and how to kind of have the best of everything, I think, you know, having it a mile high, but having everybody there and, and, and doing it, you could still do it on a weekend. And but again, I know that there's there's some things are surrounding that that are outside everybody's control. Uh, when you go up to Golden, when you go up to Mines tomorrow, uh, you taking the team with you, or is it just the coaches? Uh, just our coaches are going to give the team tomorrow off. Um, you know, if if uh, if they want to go up on their own, that's great. But I also believe, you know, uh, and I learned this from from Coach Riston at Pueblo, whatever you can do to keep them fresh and keep them mentally <clears throat> engaged. You know, he used to say something that uh, mental is to physical as four is to one. So me- mental, you know, uh, ref- you know, being fresh mentally is, is is four times more important than being fresh physically. So, you know, I think it's good for them that that's what 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 they. Uh, they worked for it, you know, to have a bye week. And so we've practiced Monday through Thursday, so we've kept it pretty normal. Um, and so some of them have said, Coach, we'll see you up there. Some of them are going to go hang out with their girlfriends or do whatever. And I think that's good. That's what they need to do. Um, you know, we've, we've got us coaches, we go back and forth more about what we should do with them. And should we do this? Should we do that? And I'll tell you one thing about this year that has proved, has, uh, has, has made me rethink some things is you can go back and forth as an adult and figure out what's best for teenage kids. And then maybe something happens where you don't do what you feel is best as an you know adult, what you should do for the team, right? And then they go out and play just as good, if not better. <laughs> I mean, we've we've completely changed the way we practice this year, and it's not something that at the start of this year, if you asked me that we would do that, I'd be like, no way. But we've changed it, um, and we've talked to a lot of people about it, and honestly, this team has responded and, and is, has been better as a team since we've made the change. 
when uh, when you guys reconvene on Monday, do you have the talk with them that unless you do the work that you need to do every Monday from here on out could be our last Monday practice? Dan, I've had that talk with them since June 7th. It's so funny. One of my seniors told me, he goes, Coach, I remember you saying, seniors, this is your last Monday of your, first, uh, you know, of your last summer. And he's like, I didn't know what you meant with, by that until now. You know, like, and every week I'll tell him, hey, this is your last week 10, last week 9, right? Like, that's something that I'm very conscious and explain to him. And I'll give credit. Mike Greibel at Heritage used to say that to the Heritage seniors every year. And I thought it was one of the most, uh, you know, kind of, just ways to look at your senior year. I'd never heard it kind of put into that that type of uh, terminology. And I, I think till they're at their very last couple of weeks, it doesn't really sink, sink in, you know, but I've said it to them since June 7th. Hey, it's your last Monday of your, of your you know, of your first, of your, of your summer, or this is your, your last, you know, first day of fall camp or whatever. And again, oh yeah, whatever coach. And then, you know, last week when you have senior night, and even though you know you're playing next week, there's tears because you're like, hey, my windows, my windows closing. That was Fountain Fort Carson football coach Jake Novotny. The Trojans are off this week, but they'll be in action next week, getting the winner of Golden and Cheyenne Mountain. The staff is heading up to the Colorado School of Mines on Friday to check out that game and hopefully put together a, a good plan for whoever they face uh, the following week. Football playoff games begin on Thursday night, and they'll run through all weekend, and uh, it should be the start of a fun set of tournaments here in the state of Colorado. Uh, Until next week, when hopefully we either have some soccer or volleyball previews going, this is the 719 Coaches Show, and I'm Dan Mormon.